St. Paul says, Jesus has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. There is a beautiful stained glass window in St. Joseph's Church in Tumavara, Ireland, designed by William Early, that is entitled, Tu Rex Gloriae Christi. You are the King of Glory, O Christ. And it presents Jesus, just as the title suggests, as a glorious king. He wears a large golden crown upon his head. In his left arm, he cradles a golden scepter, while his left hand holds a royal blue and shining gold orb in his hand. He's adorned with beautiful clothing, with long flowing robes with purples and scarlets, blues and emerald greens. Golden cords are strewn about with long tassels. His head is encircled by a halo, and he stands upon the clouds and upon the stars. And all surrounding Jesus are beautiful cherubs staring adoringly into the face of Jesus. I've never had the pleasure of a person, but just from the pictures I can find of it, it's absolutely stunning. It portrays Christ in beauty, in glory, and majesty. And it is clear just from this image alone that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And in fact, that's exactly what we're here to celebrate today, that Jesus Christ is King. Today is the Feast of Christ the King. It's the last Sunday of the church year, and it's the most modern holy day in the church. In the wake of World War I, and in opposition to worldly politics and philosophies that were bubbling up, that denied people even needed to look for God or ask God for help, the church established the Feast of Christ the King to remind us that Christ is king, that he is the king of kings, he is the Lord of lords, and he will reign forever and ever. Amen. And our reading from Colossians this morning, I think, portrays an even more glorious and beautiful picture than that wonderful stained glass window. If you've got it in front of you, just picking up in about verse 15 or so, just look at how Paul describes Jesus in these verses. He says that our Lord Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, the creator and sustainer of all things. He says Jesus is before all things, the head of the church, the firstborn from among the dead. He is preeminent in all things, and in him dwells the fullness of God. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that beautiful? If that doesn't wake you up on a chilly morning, I don't know what will. But there is coffee in the hallway after the service. <laughs> right? Jesus is the creator and ruler of everything, from the tiniest atom we can see in a microscope to the most brilliant galaxy we can see with that new telescope from NASA. He reigns over them all. He's defeated death, once and for all, rising from the dead so that it can touch us no longer. And he comes with the full glory of God, bearing the stamp and the image of God on himself and being filled with divinity from within. 
Jesus is not just some great moral teacher. He's not just some good man. He's so much more than that. He is the beloved Son of God, the head of the church, and ruler over every throne, dominion, ruler, and authority. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he shall reign forever and ever. Amen. So far, so good. This Jesus would have been exactly what many people would have expected from their Messiah. Many people at this time expected their Messiah to come with great power and glory and might. Many expected him to come with a sword as a conquering and destroying warlord who would set Israel free from their oppressors. It's no wonder that many thought that he would rally armies together and then send them out to fight against the tyrannical Romans who had stayed in power in Israel far too long. And it's no wonder that many thought he might bring the hammer of wrath to squash down the wicked, the unjust, and the corrupt. But this is where our picture of Jesus that we're given here deviates from all the expectations placed upon him. Yes, he came with power and great might. Yes, he won victory, but not against the Romans and not through violence and conquest. Instead, he showed power through suffering, through humility, and through compassion. Our Lord Jesus won the victory through the cross, not through the sword. Our gospel reading from Luke spells it out quite succinctly. Our Lord Jesus was crucified, a punishment that was reserved for the lowest of the low, for people not even considered to be human. And he's crucified between two heinous criminals who were guilty of the things they had done. Then Jesus is cruelly mocked by everyone, first by the people in charge, then by the soldiers, and then even one of the criminals has the audacity to mock Jesus to his face. If you really are the Christ, if you really are the chosen one, if you really are the king of the Jews, then save yourself. (sighs) And then with mockery, they even nailed it above his head. This is the king of the Jews. Now we, 2,000 years later, we know the truth. We know that he is the Christ. He is God's chosen one. He is the king of the Jews. And indeed, he had every power to save himself, the criminals, and everyone else on that day. But that was not the way. That was not the way of true power. No, the way of true power, the way of true victory, was through the cross, not by a sword. And our Lord Jesus, he displayed power and majesty, the power and majesty of God himself, even while he is dying and suffering there, with mighty words of compassion and hope. To his executioners, he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And to the criminal beside him, he says, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. That is the power and majesty of God. That is the power and majesty of Christ. Not to fight and tear down and destroy, not to invade and conquer and control, but to offer love, forgiveness, 
and compassion to those who deserve it least. To transform his enemies, his own executioners, into his beloved people. To suffer and die for the sake of those who despise him. Chuck Colson, who's the founder of Prison Fellowship International, has said this, and I've quoted, for us, to shed his blood for us. Going back to that beautiful stained glass window, I find it rather interesting that if you look closely at the window, you won't see a sword in his right hand. Instead, you'll see his hand held up in blessing towards the people he's looking at. And on his face is the face of compassion and mercy, love and welcome. And if you look even more closely, you'll see in both hands the marks of the nails. And those wounds, I think, are the most majestic details of the entire window. Because they represent the true power and might of the King of Glory. Because it was this suffering servant, this wounded and crucified Jesus, by the wounds of the cross, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And this suffering Jesus will reign forever and ever. Amen. Now, all that's great, you might say, but what does this have to do with my life? Everything. Quite literally, everything. Because today at the Feast of Christ the King, we are called to renew our commitment to Jesus as our King. Not just the King of the cosmos out there, but the King of my heart in here. Yes, he's the King of kings and Lord of lords, but is he your King? Does he sit on the throne of your heart? Does he rule over every aspect of your life? Those are difficult questions that require us to search deep within us and see how this affects every aspect of our life. To paraphrase New Testament professor Jerry Sumney, he says allegiances to family, to city, to nation, to empire, and to all aspects of my life must now be evaluated through the values of the kingdom in which I, as a believer of Jesus, have now been made a citizen. This is a dramatic shift in my identity, a shift that brings blessings, but also grounds me in the responsibilities to live life worthily. Phew! That's not easy. That's not easy at all. But as I frequently say, it's absolutely worth it. Because if Jesus is our king, then we are set free. From all the tyrannical powers in the world, we are set free if Jesus is our king. If Jesus is our king, then our politicians are not. Thanks be to God. If Jesus is our king, our careers are not. If Jesus is our king, our past is not. Our regrets are not. Our mistakes are not. Our sin is not. Even the ones we commit over and over and over, they have no authority here. Our pain, our sickness, our grief, they are not our king. Our money, our stuff, our reputations, our images, they are not our king. 
and perhaps the one that gives me the most hope. I am not my king. You are not your king. Christ Jesus has set us free from the tyranny of all these things because we don't belong to them anymore. We belong to Jesus. We are his. He is ours. And if that's not enough to get you excited, think about these things as well. Our king has reconciled us to God himself. Sin has totally broken and shattered the relationship we had with God, but now Jesus has swept up the pieces, glued them back together, and has presented us whole back to his Father. Our sins have been forgiven. The relationship has been mended. Because of King Jesus, we are no longer enemies of God. We are his beloved children. And the kingdom of God then belongs to us because Jesus has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into his very own kingdom and has made us his. We totally belong to him. And as Romans 8 tells us, there is nothing, nothing at all in the entire universe that can separate us from his love. We are his forever and ever, which means our resurrection is secured. Just as Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, Scripture promises us that we will do one day. By his blood, through his death and resurrection, Jesus has defeated the power of death itself and now has given us the gift of eternal life. And we will live with him forever and ever. So let us rejoice. Let us give thanks because Jesus Christ, the majestic and humble King, has shed his blood for us and has set us free. Let us rely on his strength and renew our commitment to him as our King today and then every day from here on out. By dedicating and reorienting every aspect of our lives to his honor and service. By living like him in humility, compassion, generosity, and love. By offering love, forgiveness, and compassion to those we know deserve it least. By putting the needs of others before our own, and by making his glory our number one priority. Because Jesus Christ, the mighty and crucified one, he alone is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he will reign forever and ever. Amen.